And so that is going to be uh, the way that we work on Wednesday nights in July. We're going to have people going into homes at that 6 o'clock hour. uh, And we would love for you to join together and grow together with the body of Christ by uh, joining a community group and talking about the the sermon from the previous week. And the sign-ups are back there. If you're in the choir or want to be in the choir... Uh, we will be having community groups in the fellowship hall. Please email the front office if you want to be a part of those choir community groups. That would be uh, great. Um, we also want to let you know, super exciting, that we have a night of worship with Moffat Road Baptist Church. That's going to be on Sunday, July 23rd at 6 p.m. It's going to be right here at Luke 14 Fellowship. So we want to pack this out. Uh, we're going to have a, a choir uh, of about 80 uh, to 90, and they are going to be singing the songs uh, that you think of whenever we, we think of the different seasons of life, a season of, of happiness, of joy, a season of, uh, of sorrow even. What do we do with that? We can always respond in song. Songs for every season is what that's called. Also, there will be no prayer time on uh, July 3rd. We want you to be with your family. I will be with my family, uh, and we will be celebrating together. Um, Weekly prayer is going to continue on Mondays in July, though. Uh, And that will be with me. So I want you to come and and pray with me uh, uh, Mondays at the lunch hour. All right? Uh, Our pastor is in Alaska. But two weeks ago, he had the, the chance to open Congress in prayer. That was so impactful. Thank you, uh, Jerry Carl, for inviting him to do that. That was, that was a very significant time uh, for, for our church. And we listened to it, and uh, it, it is the perfect just distillation of what, everything that we're trying to say, that we want our country to be guided by Christian principles and uh, go forward and have all of our leaders uh, submitting under Christ. And so we wanted to share uh, that with you today as we celebrate Uh, our independence weekend. So we're going to go and look at that now and then we'll sing together. The house will be in order. The prayer will be offered by the guest chaplain, Pastor David Bullock, Luke 418 Fellowship from Mobile, Alabama. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, maker of heaven and earth, redeemer and generous provider, We are desperately dependent upon you for all things. Bestow your wisdom on this body and its members to know and do your will for our nation, to abandon unrighteous agendas, to hear and heed your voice, and to make decisions according to your holy word, so that we may practice kindness, develop unity, and walk humbly before you. Bring about unity in our nation through the power of the Holy Spirit. May we in reverence, through repentance of our sins, return to you. As the psalmist says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Father, open up heaven's windows to bless this nation as we humble ourselves before you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and sing with me? God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above, from the mountains to the prairies. 
to the oceans, wine with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Amen. And that is the only way that our nation will be blessed if we follow him. Would you welcome someone around you as we begin in, in worship uh, to our God today? That we have the blessed assurance that he's here to save us. That we can rest in him, abide in Christ together. Welcome someone around you as we begin to sing today. Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Sing this out. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. My song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen, we have that assurance. Uh, we're so glad that you're here today uh, as the family of God worshiping together. Uh, sometimes in the family, though, you have, uh, you have a few things that, that uh, uh, need to be worked out. So I'm looking to my booth back, back there. Do we have what we, we need handled? Are we, are we all good? Or do we need to turn on a microphone? Hey, Josh, are you good? Are you turned on your mic? Can we check that real quick? Testing one, two. Hey, there we go. Everybody clap. Let me tell you this. I, I'm glad that the, the, the church is not, not filled with people who feel like uh, we got to be perfect. You know, this is, not, this is not better homes and gardens. This is not uh, a, a, a movie or a production or a show. It is a life that we live together in fellowship. Is that it? Amen. So 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm so thankful for this. He made him who knew no sin. To be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He's our Messiah, our Savior. Let's sing. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become His righteousness. He humbled himself and he carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Sing this. 
Jesus Messiah. body the bread his blood the wine broken and poured out all for love the whole earth trembled and the veil was torn love so amazing do you believe it love so amazing yeah jesus messiah tells us in John 15, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, listen to this, you can do what? Nothing. We have nothing without Christ. And guess what? Christ is all we need. And in Him, we can do good things for the gospel together. Knowing Him intimately. Growing in Him daily. And going in Him to all the world. Josh, would you lead us? How great the chasm 
that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. You may be seated as we sing. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living.
our Savior. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And the life we live now is by faith in the Son of God because you have loved us so much. We take up our cross daily. We pray that we follow you with everything that we have. That we will respond in worship with all of our actions in obedience to you, Lord. That we would love our neighbor as ourself. That we would love you through obeying your commandments and abiding in you. Lord, today as we celebrate our independence, the nation that you have given to us to go for the gospel, we celebrate just the freedom that we have in you, the freedom from sin and death and the grave because of your resurrection. Lord, there is no sweeter name than that name that is Jesus today. We put our full hope in that name that is above every other name. We love you. We choose to serve you with everything we have today. Amen. you yeah. 
Those who know Jesus, they really do know Jesus. Those who don't know, you don't know. But Jesus is softly and tenderly calling. That's what he's doing. He is calling you out right now to come home. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. Amen.
It was a absolutely great week of camp. Thank you all for praying for us and our students. Um, I, I loved kind of how Pastor Greg was our camp preacher and kind of the, the mantra within the calling that we looked at this week was those who know, know. And those who don't know, they don't know. And what he means by that is those who know Christ, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt they know Christ. Those that don't know Christ, they just don't know. They don't get it. This week our students, roughly 180 of us between three different churches, centered around the calling of God, that God has called us to the gospel. God calls us to the word. God calls us to the world. And God calls us to look like him. And I just want to thank you, church body, for praying for us, for the safety of our students. Um, it is a miracle. No one was hurt. We, we, we had no injuries, no fatalities. Um, we, we did have new life take place. We, we, we had students amongst the three groups that came to faith in Christ. We had students that surrendered to the call of ministry on their life. That's what it's about. And one of the, the cool things that our, our students heard is within the three churches, one of the youth pastors was praying for me to come to know Christ before I came to know Christ. And as a result of me coming to know Christ, the third youth pastor came to know Christ. And it was really cool seeing that little steps of obedience 13 years ago, 14 years ago, ultimately ricocheted to what we got to experience this past week. God is good, and he is faithful. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're looking at a living hope. And if you remember, some of you in here, some of you will have no clue and that's okay. In the late 1970s, there was a movie that came out called A New Hope. Anybody remember that movie? A few of y'all, A New Hope. I'll kind of depict it a little bit here. It came out and was produced by a guy named George, guy named George Lucas. He created this movie. It was the first of the Star Wars movies. And the backdrop of this story was that this empire had come in and was oppressing the galaxy. And there was this few alliance that was trying to go forth and conquer them. The, the good guys known as the Jedis, Jedis had all but became extinct. And then finally, when despair Hope had been lost. We're never going to conquer this. The, the empire had created this thing called a Death Star that could shoot beams and destroy planets. There arose a young man from Tatooine who, who showed up as the new hope for everybody. And I, I think of this movie as we look at a, a living hope today is because I think deep down in our hearts, we long for hope. We, we love stories and we love movies that give us something to look for, where, where, where the good guys win, where, where we have something to long for and hope for and know that it's going to be okay. We, we crave that, do we not? That's what First Peter really addresses, is this, this longing for, for hope, this longing for something more. As we dive into this, this story, this text this morning, I pray that God shows us 
That as First Peter teaches us that we're exiles, we're sojourners, we're aliens in this world. C.S. Lewis once said this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Or another quote by a guy named Guy Juan Sanchez said this, The Christians to whom Peter wrote were exiles in a world in which they once called their own. Which leads me to ask this question as we get started today. At what point did the world quit satisfying you? At what point did the world quit satisfying you? When we, we think through this, Peter was, was writing to these exiles that were in this dispersion. They were living in persecution, they were living in suffering, they were living in hard times. And he's writing this book as encouragement. He, he's writing this book to, to build them up and encourage them that it's going to be okay. Just hold on. Keep, keep fighting the, the good fight. Keep fighting the race that everything is going to work out in the end. Peter's writing for them to encourage them to rejoice in their suffering, knowing that this world is not our home. I think for many of us, we, we, we think through summer camps. We think we go on mission trips. And let's just be honest, the bedding at these places are not incredible. You, you go sleep in a bed at, at, at summer camp or you go on a mission trip overseas somewhere and you're probably not staying on the best bedding and the best mattress that the world has to offer. Are we miserable while we're there? Do we complain the whole time? Y'all just don't understand that mattress last night, that bed. No, we, we, we we're okay with it, we're fine with it because we know that it's temporary. We, we know that after a week of being at summer camp or, or 10 days on a mission trip, that I get to go back home to a nice, comfortable bed. This is the picture that he paints here, is that this life is a temporary stay, that, 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 that it's not going to last. And so we can endure in the hardships, we can endure in the struggles, because we know we have a greater home that's waiting for us. That we have a living hope that one day all the temporary problems, the temporary stresses of this life will be removed and we rejoice and we long for that day. We rejoice in the trials for the glory of God. Martin Luther said this about this book. He says, this is the kernel and the myrrh of all the New Testament books. For in them you find depicted the mystery of seeing how faith in Christ overcomes sin, death, and hell and gives us life and righteousness and salvation. So without me dragging on this any further, let's jump into God's word this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials that, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring the, what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and some subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. And these things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for what you did in our lives this past week at summer camp. Lord, Lord, I pray that it was not just emotions, but God, I pray that it was truth. God, lasting. God, I pray this morning for Brother David and Brother Randy and the team that's in Alaska, God, as they gather here in a few minutes with the body in Anchorage. God, I pray that there will be a blessing to that body. God, I pray for this next week as they serve in around Anchorage and in backyard Bible clubs and as they serve in, in ways of addressing lostness and brokenness and hurting. God, I pray that they will show, God, your love and your kindness and your mercy. God, and be able to share the gospel with those who are hurting. Lord, I pray this morning for us as we gather. God, may we hear your word. God, may we find a living hope today. It's in Christ and we pray. Amen. So we see a few things in this text this morning. The first thing that we see is the elect in the dispersion. The elect in the dispersion. We see this in verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, those who are the exiles in the dispersion. Peter was an apostle of Christ, and it starts off this letter in this section of a greeting. Peter, who was his apostle, he was his disciple, he was with him. And many scholars would affirm this with the Jewish language that 1 Peter has, pointing them back to so many different things. And we assume that this book was written not too long after Paul and Peter made their missionary journeys to this area, to this region. He starts off and he says to those who are the elect exiles in dispersion, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, He's writing to them to encourage them that as persecution falls on them to gather into God. We see that we need to be captivated and so fall in love with this that none of this catches us off guard. That he says that those in the dispersion, these exiles, these people who are following God, we see this Old Testament imagery that they were off alone, abandoned. Knowing this was not their home, we, we think of that in the Old Testament as the nation of Israel wandered around for 40 years wondering, when am I going to get to this promised land? Knowing that the places they wandered were not the home that was meant for them. This is where First Peter is drawing our hearts towards, is knowing that this is not our home if we were in Christ Jesus. This is a temporary stay. 
So he's telling them that these exiles in the dispersion, this region, and he goes off into verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling with his blood. Nothing catches God off guard. God knew that they would suffer, they'd be dispersed, they'd be exiles. And he gives us here these couple verses, what I call a beautiful Trinitarian proclamation of praise. God knows everything. Have we ever really thought about that? How all-knowing God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are. They know every detail of every little thing that will ever happen in our lives. Nothing catches them off guard, which means that if nothing catches them off guard, how much more can we trust them? How much more can we draw in to praise them and to give them the glory that they deserve? And we get caught up in this moment here in 1 Peter where he says that in this foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctification of the Spirit, the process of the Spirit drawing us to himself and making us more and more like God. And not only our sanctification, but sanctification leads to obedience to the commandments of Christ. Being obedient to Jesus Christ and praising him for the sprinkling with his blood. The blood that washes us clean. The blood that makes us new. It's a day-to-day dying of ourselves. It's a day-to-day obedience. Austin Mason, one of the, the youth pastors there this week, told our students, and I loved it. He said, God cares about our obedience each day. Every day that we wake up, every day that we have breath, is a day in which we have to submit all of ourselves to God. And be obedient to what God has for us today. So we should be encouraged that nothing catches him off guard. He has a purpose and a plan. That he is good as the song often says. And God's goodness. I want you all to hear me very carefully. God's goodness is not contingent upon how good or how bad our lives get. No, God is good no matter what life circumstances there is. So he's writing to these brothers and sisters and writing to them, encouraging them and greeting them in Christ. These are the people in which he writes to. Those who feel scattered. Those who know that this world is not our home. And as he writes to them to encourage them, he gives us the second thing we need to see today is that we are born again to a living hope. We're born again to a living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the greeting, his praise and his adoration. How would your name be? This is declaration. It's almost like he's wrapped up in a moment of saying, man, he's thinking through this. I mean, how many of y'all, when y'all have written letters to people or you're speaking to people, you get kind of caught up in a moment of praise to who God is? I I picture this as as Peter was writing this to the exiles, that as he's saying that God and the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit and the obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, that he gets caught up in the glory and the grandeur of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we see this praise and this declaration of blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name. That he alone is worthy. Why should he be blessed? I'm glad you asked. 
It's a great question because of his great mercy. He calls us to be born again to a living hope. All of us, every one of us in here this morning, we need to remember that we were once dead in our sins and trespasses. There was nothing good in us. That as Ephesians 2 says, that we were dead like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, looked down and saved us, not a result of works so that no one may boast, but as a free gift of God. This is the good news that was preached to us. Let him be blessed because of his great love, that he has looked past our sinfulness and brings us into him. This is the free gift of God. That when we come into a right relationship with him, he loves us and cares for us because he died on the cross for us. He breathes life into our lungs. And as a result of breathing life into our lungs, we have a living hope. Not a dead hope. This isn't like TCU back in the national championship game in January, having a hope that they would beat Georgia. This isn't wishful thinking. This is certain. This is a fact. This is a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's not hopeful. It is certain. It is going to happen. And when you know something's going to happen, you can rejoice and prepare correctly for it. You know how to expect. You know that if I'm going home, that this mattress at summer camp will not last. When when I'm overseas on a mission trip and I have to use bottled water to brush my teeth, or I have to wait for the water to percolate through a filter so that I can drink it and not get sick, we know this will pass. When we know things are temporary, when we know things do not last, we can endure through the hardships. This is the context that he's telling them that we have been born again to a living hope that blessed be God the Father, that he alone is is worthy of this praise. He draws us in. He draws us to this living hope. And we know that it's a living hope because if we go back and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we know that Christ rose from the dead. And if he didn't raise from the dead, then we are of all people most to be pitied. That we're still dead in our sins. We have no hope. We make God to be a liar because he said that he would raise from the dead and he didn't. We know that 1 Corinthians 15 is true and therefore we have a hope. We have a certainty of the future. This is the key. He he, he keeps on going. It says we're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at me in verse 4. It says this, to an inheritance, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Think about that for a moment. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept for you. We look forward to the day when all of life's struggles, all of life's hardships, all of life's problems are gone. We look for a day where sin is no more, death is no more, sickness is no more, cancer is no more. And the long list can go on and on and on of this day in which our hearts long for. 
And what's real beautiful in this longing to be with God, he tells us this promise that not only are we born again to a living hope, we see we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us, that is imperishable, undefiled. Think about the things of this world in which we so longly and so earnestly pursue. Does any of it last? Does any of it make? Does any of it stay forever? No. We accumulate and we collect and we get stuff and we build stuff and eventually it all fades away. When we think of cell phones, how much money do we spend on a device that we have in our pocket to talk to other people? What happens? Especially people my generation and students, when the newest model comes out, we got to get it. We're never satisfied. We, we, we build a house and we live in the Gulf Coast. A good hurricane comes out of the Gulf, it's gone. A tree falls, gone. God gives us this promise of a living hope that we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven and nothing on this earth can destroy it. No rust, no hurricanes, no disease. It isn't there one moment and say, oh, I'm sorry, your inheritance is gone. Our 401k disappeared. Like, it, it, it isn't this. It is there, certain, held for us. And not only is it held for us, it says that what? Keep reading with me here in verse 5. It says, who by God's power are being guarded. No one's going to take it away. No, no, no one can take this inheritance away. No one can take this away from us. It's being guarded through faith for our salvation ready to be revealed. It's certain. It's there. It's waiting for the day in which we get to go be with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is how we rejoice in the midst of suffering, is knowing that this place is not our home and that what is eternal and what is lasting is guarded in heaven, waiting for the day we are united with the King. That should give us hope in the midst of our suffering. That when we go through struggles or we go through problems or we go through issues of this life, that all these things, all this stuff that is hard and heartbreaking and troublesome, that we know that we have a hope that's certain that he's coming again, that he's preparing a place for us, that we get to dwell with him. And this is one of the lies that Satan tries to throw at us, that if you come to God, bad things won't happen to you. That's a lie. Nowhere, if we ever go back and look at the Old Testament, we look at the New Testament, do we ever see a promise that bad things stay away from believers? We actually see the opposite. Heartache, struggles, problems, imprisonment. Look at the life of Paul. Even in God calling Paul to himself in Acts, we see that he tells him that this is my chosen vessel who must suffer greatly for my name's sake. Suffering and trials are to be expected, but when we have suffering and trials, we know the finish line, and we know what awaits us. It is worth it. It makes it a short, momentary affliction. God's goodness is not contingent upon my current life circumstances, whether it is good or whether it's not. Even if it's hard, even if I'm hurt, we rejoice in the suffering Peter tells us to rejoice for those a little while, 
the various trials that they may trouble you. We, we keep reading here in verse 6, and this you rejoice, though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. We rejoice in the midst of trials. How is that possible? How in the world do we go through hardships and go, <laughs> I'm so glad my tire blew out on the side of the interstate today. How do we do it? We know it's short. If necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it is tested by fire, may be found in the result of praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How do we rejoice in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our heartaches? Because we know through the testing of our struggles, our faith becomes stronger. I love watching weird stuff, and I'll just admit that first off today. As my wife often tells me, you have a lot of random knowledge that you're never going to use in life. But one of the things that I enjoy watching that I've never done is I love to watch people make knives. Anybody ever watch people make knives before? They've got like TV shows like The Forge and all this stuff. It's really fascinating to me. Um, but the fire aspect of it, not so much. I did welding in high school, and I learned real quick this was not for me. You put me in 115-degree weather like we've seen this last week, and I have an open flame in my hand. It's hot, and I don't do well with hot, and um, I'm fragile. But, but I love the watching people forge knives because what they do with this piece of metal is as they heat it up and they beat it back into form, they heat it up and beat it back into form, what happens to the metal? It gets tougher. It gets stronger. It doesn't break. It, it's, it's, it's held up to, to last. And that's exactly what our trials do when we see the goodness of God in the midst of them. As the harder life gets and the more we submit to God, the tougher and more solid our faith becomes. Because we've seen God's goodness in the past, we know we can trust him in the current circumstance. I, I, I think back to, to mine and Shelby's own life. You know, three, three years, three and a half years ago, I guess now, when we moved down here in the process of coming down and preaching on Wednesday and moving to here, well, we lost a baby. And in that process, three years ago, I guess it might be, yeah, three, we'll go three years ago. Three years ago, after summer, we find out that if we are um, going to have a, another child, that we need to go through um, some fertility treatments to kind of help us be able to have another child. Well, at the same time, Brother Randy is presenting us the opportunity to go to Zambia on a mission trip, knowing that if we were to get pregnant in that window that he's presenting this and the time we need to make commitment to this, the baby would be born around the time we'd go to Zambia. So me and Shelby pray. I spend a lot of time in prayer. We long to grow our family. We long to have another child. Well, at the same time, our heart is for the nations. This is the command that every Christian has, is we're called to make disciples, to go. And we're torn. God, do we continue to, to pursue this and, and grow our family? Or God, do we be obedient to your call to go? In the process of praying for this, me and Shelby both feel that we're going to take a pause on trying to grow our family because we know the call of God in our lives to go to Zambia is greater. And that was a hard call in so many ways. 
A week before we fly to Zambia, we find out we're pregnant with Maddie Reese. <laughs> with no treatment. <laughs> like, and and I, I share that. Because that process taught me so much about God. The hurt, the brokenness of losing a baby, the longing for years to have another child. I love my girls. But even in the midst of trials and heartache and pain, when we see God's goodness and God's love through every one of these circumstances, it means when the next trial and the next heartache and the next problem come up, we go, I know my God. And I know that he is able. This is the living hope that he gives us. And he goes on and keeps reading and says, and though we have not seen him, we love him. <laughs> though, 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 though we don't see him now, we believe in him. And we rejoice greatly with joy that is inexpressible, full of glory. This is where the lost people don't understand our joy. It doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense on why in the world would you stop trying to have a child to go a long plane ride across the ocean to Zambia because God is worth it. We rejoice in someone whom we've never seen because we know the evidence of him in our lives. This is how we rejoice. We have a living hope and this hope is absolutely certain. This is why in the midst of struggles, in the midst of problems, in the midst of persecution, we know that he is worthy because we fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus. That is why he receives the praise and the glory and the honor, the truth that none of us have ever seen him, but we love him. We rejoice with inexpressible joy, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of our faith and salvation of your souls. We long for the day that we get to go from being exiles to becoming the citizens and the saints in the kingdom. And one day it's going to happen. One day when the trumpet sounds, Christ comes again and says, come home. The work is finished. We no longer will be exiles, but we will be in the kingdom with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what a day that is that we long for the third thing we see here this morning is things that angels long to see. Things that angels long to see. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be there searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. The things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. Remember Peter, who was Jewish, was reminding these people concerning the salvation of Christ through the prophets who prophesied through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, longing to the day that they could see what has been revealed to us. Things of which angels long to see. God's grace and his mercy. We look forward to this day. Even from our perspective, we look forward to the day that he makes all things new. But we get to see the fulfillment of the things that have been prophesied to us.
And we get to see the fulfillment of things that have been written. I would say this, things that not only angels long to see, but things that I long to see. Where he says, it is finished. Come home. So as we close up this morning, I want us to think through this. As we think of this living hope that we have in Christ. We need to remember that this place is not our home. When you start to realize that this place is not our home, that we are waiting and we're longing for the king and the kingdom. As the old hymn says, the things of this earth grow strangely dim and the light of his glory and grace. That's where our hearts should be. Our hearts truly should be in a place that this is short. That the, the joys and the pleasures and the happiness of all of life, the more we fall in love with God, the less it matters. The less it matters. When we think through this, then we have a relationship that doesn't go the way that it wants to, or a job doesn't work out the way we'd hope, or our identity has changed and people don't see us the way that we want to be, and we get crushed by this, or we get crushed by a relationship, or we have a disastrous marriage, or our grandchildren or our children are going through hard times. They move away. They, they, we lose a loved one. There's so many different types of trials that we see in life, are there not? So many different ways that we have heartache and hurt and pain. But brothers and sisters, there comes a day that we long for, a day when Christ comes back and he gives us a new world, one that's not hostile to the gospel, but one that everything in the life is centered around the gospel. A day where we get to dwell with him in the garden again. This is why when we, we think of this text that we have trials, we have heartaches, we have problems, we need to learn to rejoice in them knowing that they are a short momentary affliction. Knowing that in the midst of trials, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of hard times, knowing that this is not our home, we can rejoice because we know that he is faithful. We know that he is worth it. We can take trust in him. Truth is, there's never been a time in history where Christians have all the way been accepted and celebrated in the world. Heartaches are common. How do we respond to this today, that we have a living hope? How do we respond? I think number one is this. There might be some of you in here this morning that you don't have a living hope. Maybe there's some of you in here this morning that have found your way here into Luke 14 fellowship, or maybe you've been coming for years. And when you see your life, and you see the problem as the question I stated at the beginning, when did this world stop satisfying you? Maybe the world is still where you find your greatest joy and your greatest pleasure. If that's you this morning, my, my prayer for you as we come to a time of invitation here in just a moment is that you realize that God loves you. God loved you so much that he came and he died on a cross for you to have a right relationship with you. Every single one of us in here have sinned. Every single one of us in here have messed up, but we have a hope because we have a Savior who came and died to reconcile us to God the Father. For some of you in here this morning, maybe that's not you. Maybe you have come into a relationship with God and you've put your faith and you've put your trust in him. Maybe life's just been hard. 
Maybe you're broken over a situation in your family or a situation in your job, a situation in our country. Maybe, maybe this morning the way that you need to respond is in repentance to God because we truly haven't shown trust in God, that he is able, that, it, that he has got it. Maybe we need to come up to the altar this morning and just pray to God and say, God, help my heart in this situation. God, God help my heart. God, to trust in you more, to believe in you more, that, God, this is a short momentary affliction, and may I be caught up more in the glory that is to be revealed one day than I am in this short problem. Because we have problems, do we not? We have heartaches. But we've got to learn to rejoice in them. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe that is your response. But my prayer for all of us this morning as we come to this time of invitation is that every single one of us can say, just as the Apostle Peter said, Blessed be the name of God.